0: I have the wonderful pleasure of being able to introduce our guest speaker to you guys today. I think Anna Chelsea here is getting a good feel for our church. Uh, Anna Chelsea is um, a woman who has worked for 15 years in the world of nonprofit and is community organizing. And then in the last five years or so has broken off to do consulting work um, on interlocking justice doing a lot of the work of decolonizing Christianity doing that with nonprofits, with faith organizations, and with schools and universities. I know I've followed her work for several years. I, I think you guys are gonna be really excited about what she's doing. Um, I was really thrilled to be able to introduce her to you. And this is not the smallest thing, but she's also a big Doctor Who fan. So give her a good welcome here as she, she gets us our um, teaching for the morning
1: good morning everyone uh thank you so much emily thank you for the warm welcome um carla that was probably my most favorite church announcements i have ever experienced that was amazing (laughs) um that that just gave me a really a really good chuckle um which i appreciate we're going to be uh talking about some some weighty things this morning and i think going into it with a moment of of levity and and joyfulness was was just kind of perfect. Um, so uh, so that, yeah that that really amused me. <laughs> um, so yes, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for welcoming me uh, into the Blue ocean community this morning. Um, I'm sorry that I can't be with you all in person, but that is our our world such as it is right now. Um, a little bit about myself. Uh, again, my name is Anna Jelsey. Uh, phonetically, because I know that that's an uh, unfamiliar name to a lot of folks. It's pronounced Anna Jill C. Um, I'm joining you from Washington, D.C. Um, just so you can feel connected to me, since I'm a stranger in your midst. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm newly married, so I'm about to come up. Uh, this September is my one-year anniversary to my, my husband, Matt, um, who... Uh, is a Brit himself, so I, I I have my own my own Doctor Doctor Who. Um, he's not a doctor, <laughs> but my own my own little Whovian. Um, uh, I'm from Caracas, Venezuela. Um, I um, some of the identities that I carry and are precious to myself. I identify as someone um, who's an Indo Latinx Mujerista, which is a mouthful. Um, but what that means is I am a Latina of indigenous descent um, that practices a Latina arm of liberation theology. So an Indo-Latinx. Um, I'm a writer, I'm an artist, I'm an educator, um, hopefully a, a, a learner and a student for life. Um, I'm someone who's really passionate about pursuing our collection and, and healing and was hoping to talk with you about some of these ideas of, of healing and, and and our collective liberation this morning. Um, I don't, I think folks can engage in the chat, we said, right? So I don't know if this is the norm, but and I know we're trying to stick to a bit of a clock, but I love when folks can engage. So if you want to ask some questions, I can try and be responsive even as I'm talking. Um, I would love that. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and get, and get started and just start talking. Um, so as far as healing is, is concerned, um, I imagine, uh, like myself, many of us could use healing right now. Um, I know that I am in a constant state of exhaustion. Um, I'm dealing with chronic pain. I'm dealing with childhood trauma. I'm dealing with financial stress and burdens, Um, the general wear and tear of just life and getting through day to day. Um, Add to that the collective trauma that we're all dealing with of a global pandemic that's weighing down on us. Um, The generational and community-wide trauma of racism and white supremacy that has myself and, and my peers in my community in a state of of just hyper-awareness all the time. These are things that have created just utter exhaustion unlike anything I have ever experienced. So I'm in this place of just constant exhaustion. And so I was feeling all of that when I went and read Matthew 16 when I saw the scripture that had been chosen um, for our time together. so. I burst into tears when I read it. So then I tried to read it again, and I burst into tears again. <laughs> and it took me quite a few times because I just kept crying when I read it. And I was crying for Peter the first few times. I cried for, for Jesus, but I kept crying for Peter. Um, I was crying for poor, hot-headed Peter, who I really deeply connect with all the time, but particularly in this scripture. Um, He loves too hard and I love too hard. So I really connect with Peter. Um, I relate to him. And when I read the words of Jesus saying, responding to Peter's outburst of of love and fear, which is what was happening there. When I read Jesus's words, get away from me, Satan. I just started weeping. And mind you, I was in a place when I read this of just, we have so many folks in our communities that have, are dying from from COVID, from police violence, from all these different things. And I was feeling all of that. And then I read this person who loves someone saying, no, we don't. I don't want you to die. And the response is, get away from me, Satan. I cried. <laughs> um, and I want to cry right now, thinking about it. Um, and maybe that's really not just for Peter, but for all of us that are kind of carrying that pain and that trauma. Um, and we don't know how to adequately express our love and our fear. And for those of us who don't know how to adequately receive that kind of love and fear. And so those are the things that I was, was thinking when I was reading through Matthew 16, when I was first, um, you know, going through those words, through that scripture. Um, so I kept trying. I kept reading it over and over again and trying to understand what was happening here like what was what was what was happening in this exchange? Um, why was Jesus so angered by his friend uh, when his friend responded to the idea of a loved one's death by saying he wanted him to be saved from it? Because I would think that would be a normal thing. Um, it's a natural desire. We want to protect the people we love. We'd give anything to prevent harm from touching them. Um, and I know that. Uh, and all the fiery ways that I love people, because I'm not a soft lover. I'm I'm like mama bearish. <laughs> um, that I would express it with that kind of passion, and it would crush me to have someone turn around and respond the way Jesus did. Um, even if, as we kind of know now, being the people who are reading the scripture, that Jesus knew something that Peter didn't. So we we, we can we can kind of read and go, well, yeah, well, Peter, well, Jesus knew this, but Peter didn't know that. And so. And Jesus knew that Peter didn't know that, <laughs> so, um, so I'm reading that and I'm thinking all these things. Um, so Jesus knew what was to come. So I'm, I realized that, but then I'm thinking, yeah, you yeah you have Jesus who knew what was all to all all that was to come, but you also have Jesus who's fully human, and he had human experiences, and that includes pain. So we know his body could experience pain. We saw that. We saw that happen on the cross. We saw his flesh experience pain on the cross. If his body was fully human, then wasn't his mind. I read Matthew 16 and I think about the pain that he would have experienced during the temptation in the desert. What an extended period of a time of isolation would do to a person. You think about the things we hear about people who are put in solitary confinement in prisons, what a few days does to a person. I think of the trauma that comes from something like that, of subsisting on so little food, if no food at all, would do to a person, and the trauma that comes from something like that. And I think about being subjected in the midst of that to the harsh treatment of an enemy, of, of the Satan in that moment, that that's a trauma and that Jesus, who was the Christ, but was also fully human and had that mind, was experiencing those traumas. And I wonder if maybe Jesus didn't respond to Peter out of that pain and out of that trauma. That this friend who was tempting him to protect himself was too close a reminder to what had happened in the desert if that makes sense. And I recognize that there are larger themes to be drawn from scripture about the crucifixion of Christ and the concept of um, taking up our own cross. But I think that there are smaller lessons that I also believe that we can draw and we tend to not maybe, there are new ways to look at scripture, particularly when we go through this process of decolonizing and looking at, at scripture fresh and anew. Um, as people who have trauma, as traumatized people, as hurt people, and I think about that. As traumatized people, what would that, what do these things mean? And so, I believe we can look at these little interpersonal things that are happening between Peter and Jesus and start to ask these questions. So, I'm not presuming anything, but I'm just kind of asking the what ifs that come up when I look at the interactions between these two humans. Um, even two humans that are playing with such vital roles in the world <laughs> that seem like larger than life, but we're still two humans. Um, so we're holding, as people, such mass amounts of individual and collective trauma. And I think that we risk feeling, if not actually, you know, being smothered under the weight of it being so overwhelmed by it. And I'm talking about generations of inherited trauma, uh, of pain that we've inflicted upon one another, um, as well as ongoing trauma that we're inflicting upon one another, um, that we're currently subjecting one another to. If we don't find ways to address that collectively, to go about collective healing, we're gonna continue to lash out and to to deny one another. Um, And I think that that is, we're seeing that microcosm of that played out in this scene. So there's sort of a parable there for us to be found in this relationship between Jesus and Peter, of what, what can happen when traumatized people are in relationship with one another, how we can continue to harm and hurt one another. Um, So, I was thinking all of this, (laughs) and I was reading through this scripture, and then I go on Facebook, where so much of our interactions are happening right now, um, because we're alone in our homes. Um, And I had a friend ask a question on Facebook, and he said, um, real talk, is 2020 affecting anybody else this hard besides Black people? Any other ethnic or racial groups suffering this hard? And that was his question. Um, and the first thought that I, that came to my mind was what I was hearing was isolation. Um, so not quite the type that Jesus experienced with the temptation in the desert, but that's the word that comes to mind when I hear that question. We ask questions like this um, because we feel isolated in our suffering. We feel completely alone, and we're made to feel alone in our suffering. Um, and that is a really anger-inducing feeling. Um, So, and that in and of itself is a trauma. To feel that day in and day out, so completely isolated in our suffering, is a trauma on top of trauma already. And so I got into conversation with my friend and I shared that what grieves me so much is that we live in a society where the pain of black people, of indigenous people, of people of color is so poorly acknowledged and let alone tended to, that we, that we even have to ask these sort of questions. Um, and I was very blunt with him, like this is a, f- a friend and we're, we can be honest, and so I said, to be frank, white American consciousness can't cope with more than a white black binary. So we're forced to fight for like the littlest bit of, we being folks of color, indigenous folks, black folk, are are forced to fight for the littlest bit of spotlight, the littlest bit of resources, little bit of access to healing, to acknowledgement of our pain. So we're pitted against one another for a chance to be heard, to be recognized because white America is still dictating the terms of our conversation and its imagination is not currently grand enough to encompass all of us. And our, cons- our collective strength is, our- is reliant on our ability to change that narrative. So, it's reliant on our ability to not be made enemies of one another as a result of our pain and our feeling of isolation because that's what's happening to our communities, our communities of color. Um, We cause a lot of pain to one another out of our own trauma. Um, So I shared with this friend and I'll share with you and I wanna name right now that some of what I'm about to say um, is explicit because it's trauma, I'm naming trauma. Um, So I shared with this person what Latinx people are currently in Latinx, just for those who might not be familiar, gender-neutral term. I'm speaking of Latino, Latina people. Um, uh, I share some of what Latinx folks are experiencing right now. Um, that is causing my own exhaustion, my community's exhaustion. Um, so for one thing, you know, as Latinx people, we're an ethnicity, not a race. So we come in every shade. <laughs> we are the rainbow. <laughs> um, and so we have countless afro latinx people family that are in pain right now Um, they're a part of our community uh, and they are a part of black lives matter and they're in an immense amount of pain right now Um, so when we talk about black lives matter that includes our latinx family members who are black they hold black identity just as much as they hold latinx identity Um, but we also have brown-skinned Latinx people who are dealing with high levels of state violence. Um, So because of how the American consciousness works, their names go unuttered. But I have cried for them so much Um, just in the last couple of months, to name a few. Sean Montarosa was killed by the police on June 2nd. Eric Salgado was killed by police on June 6th. His girlfriend was in the car with him. She was injured and lost her unborn child. Andrea Godarda was killed by police on June 18th. Ramon Timothy Lopez was killed by police on August 4th. Ramon was hogtied and held to the burning pavement in 99 degree Phoenix weather for six minutes. He was treated like an animal. He died on the way to the hospital. I wept for him. I wept for each of these people in the same way that I weep for the names that we raise up every time we talk about Black Lives Matter. I have no words for the rage. Each of their stories have built up in me for the level of, exhaustions, of exhaustion that each of their stories have built up in me. We have a disproportionate number of Latinx people dying from COVID, just like we have a disproportionate number of Black non-Latinx people dying from COVID. Add to that the rise in hate crimes against Latinx people, brutal immigration detainment, increasing poverty levels, and so on and so on my community is exhausted. We are all in pain and dealing with waves of trauma after trauma. Much of our pain parallels, if not mirrors one another's pain. But we are struggling to find language to talk with one another about it. And so at best, we're left to feel alone to feel that isolation, and at worst, we're made to feel like enemies of one another, fighting for recognition and for resources and for healing. I wonder what a lesson there might be in scripture if Jesus had confronted his trauma enough to take Peter aside and say, you're bringing up something painful for me. I know your intention is to protect me but I need your strength right now, so that I can keep my resolve for what's to come. But thank you for loving me the way that you do. What if he had done that, and only then talked to the followers about carrying their own cross, and yet being willing to die for him? I see a lesson there for us as well. So yes, there's this major theme here, That Jesus is Christ and taking up our cross and giving up life for him leads to eternal life. I think there's also a lesson in taking up only what is ours to bear. Our cross, our trauma, and doing the work of confronting it and healing from it, but not stopping there. We must also be so collective in our pursuit for healing and our pursuit for liberation, that we would give up our lives for one another. Even if the cross we bear isn't the same, it just parallels, but doesn't necessarily mirror the cross that someone else is bearing. I think it's that depth of sacrifice and even commitment to one another where life is found. I think these are some of the the new lessons in in this new way of reading this verse. that there's something, that there's something new to be found in, in Matthew 16. Um, and that was just something that I wanted to offer you all this morning. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Anna Kelsey. Um, I really appreciate just the gift that you've offered our community there. And I think there's, I think there's a little um, invitation to us. I feel like we're pretty good at trying to remember and name Uh, The black lives that have been taken at the hands of white supremacy at hands of state violence and we've been Somewhat clued into the immigration issues and violence, but maybe a little less in tune with some of the names um, And of Latinx people as well as indigenous people, which I'm I'm trying to I know we have a couple of indigenous um, congregants and so I know there's been some work to be done there um, to hold more space so that it's not a competing uh, space for story, but it's a space where we can all hold our various and different um, stories and traumas and exhaustions and joys um, together without it being like rivalrous or competing, but a place where we can all hear this and love each other in our vulnerability um, I thank you for your vulnerability. I think that was a really powerful, like what Ken said, it's a powerful midrash. We've been doing a lot of work with midrash. And I think there's um, something really beautiful about asking, what if Jesus had been able to say this? I've often had a, a similar response in that story where it's like, man, that is harsh. Get away from me, Satan, to your best friend. Like That's a, that's a really harsh response to kind of meditate on why that felt that way. Um, As as you were talking, I was trying to think through, like, what might be a meaningful way for us to just sort of ponder this. I know some of us who have young kids who are with us, it's a little bit harder to have a little space for silence or meditation. But for those of you who are able um, or who are maybe able to later, I invite you right now, like, just kind of get comfortable and let's make a little bit of space for the, the spirit to speak to us. And I'm not even going to do much of a guided meditation, but maybe just if there's something that Anna Chelsea um, spoke that was um, just kind of stuck out to you, let's just make some space for about a minute or two of silence for the Spirit to just talk to us a little bit on that and think about what it means to be a collective space where we can hold all of these stories. So Holy Spirit come and just speak in our hearts and in our minds now. Spirit, I ask that you come and expand our imaginations for um, how we can better love one another in this way, that we can better acknowledge the exhaustion of so many of our, of our siblings. Um, and not just acknowledge it, but give us an imagination for helping to alleviate and care for one another. Um, I ask that you give us a greater level of comfort with grief and with being able to bear these loads without it being um, something that causes us to want to flee, but that we'll have a real comfort with discomfort. And in that, we will find even more ways to love one another and lift each other up. And I like the word of interlocking justice. I think that's really powerful. It gives me an image of of people from all different backgrounds, just like really like linking arms and interlocking with one another. And there's a picture of both vulnerability as well as strength in that. And so Spirit, I ask that you would help our community um, to have a real deep understanding of what that means and that you would continue to teach us and guide us in that. We ask your blessing on Anna Chelsea and on the work that she does, Lord, that um, you will provide like little extra means of joy in her life in the midst of this exhaustion, that there would be things that make her smile unexpectedly. Lord, let us all care for one another in the way that um, you would have us care for one another. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.